Find your seats. Oh, man. Or wherever you want to sit. Our dog, Scup, has a phrase that she likes to say, uh, if I sits, I fits. So find a seat wherever you may. She doesn't really say that because she's a dog, but she does it. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good? Fantastic. Tonight we are continuing our series, New Wine. Somebody say, New Wine. Fantastic. Yes, we have new wine available to us. And man, I am really excited to continue this series tonight. Last week we had a question more so posed. Uh, don't worry, we answered it, by the way. But uh, last week we talked about uh, from the question, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I love that message and I love what we talked about last week. And I love what God is doing already in this series that we're in because, of course, the juice is worth the squeeze. Man, I look at it and I want to just recap real quick for you this, that Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, fully man, fully God, forsaked heaven for 33 years, came and lived as a man, was tempted in every way that we were, and died a sinner's death so that he might reconcile the entire world back onto himself, right? If Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, was not entitled to a pain-free life, but was actually qualified for a life of pressing and breaking and ultimately victory, then you and I are not entitled to a pain-free life either. But, somebody say, but. But what that does qualify us for is the pressing, is the breaking, is those crushing moments. But how many of you know moments aren't the entire story? Man, I want to start preaching already. The moments aren't the entire story, are they? No, 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 there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an ending, and these are moments. And our God, just like Jesus, our God gives you and me a way out, a path to victory every single time. There is no temptation that can overcome us, that we can't get get past, that we can't beat. There is no sickness, there's no things that we cannot overcome through the blood of Jesus Christ. Either work is finished on the cross or it's not. I choose to believe that the work is finished on the cross. So, of course, the juice is worth the squeeze. Amen. Y'all ready tonight? Fantastic. Let's get into it. Title of my message is this. Y'all ready? The title of the message is The Pain and the Promise. Turn and tell your neighbor, The Pain and the Promise. I want to hit the remix button on this real quick. Remix, baby. I want to hit the remix real quick. Turn and tell your neighbor. I want you to say that again. But when we get to promise, I want us to shout like we believe the word promise. So turn and tell your neighbor, the pain and the promise. There we go. All right. I feel it. Somebody, Rusty's singing, yo, make some noise to that worship team. How incredible. My God. Jeez, Bunk comes back. Everybody gets slain in the spirit. Goodness. All right, anyways. I was, I was feeling some type of way, but yes, here we go. Y'all ready for this tonight? Y'all ready for the Bible tonight? All right. Coming out of Matthew 9, 14 through 17 says this. Then John's disciples came and asked him, how is that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus interjects and answers, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? 
The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Verse 16. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wine skins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be ruined. No. They pour new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. Somebody say, both are preserved. Fantastic. Y'all mind if we pray one more time before we go further? Jesus, we thank you for tonight. God, I ask that you would continue to have your way in this service. I feel like you already are. God, I feel just a, a, a presence of liberation and freedom in this room, which is, of course, obviously when two or more are gathered, there you are in the midst of us. Your presence is here. You have fallen on this place. My God, we just thank you for what you're doing. Continue to move, Jesus. Have your way. Holy Spirit, come and do whatever you want. We came to church tonight not to have our religious egos and theological statements tickled tonight, God. No, we came to be messed up by the living God. Encounter your people, Jesus. We want more of you tonight, and we're not satisfied yet. In Jesus' mighty name, if you believe, would you make some noise? Yeah. So I almost got decapitated this week. This has absolutely nothing to do with my message. Uh, but we moved to a house, and I had a very large box. And uh, I was going up the stairs, and I hit my head on the back of the, uh, I don't know what you call this thing, the ceiling of the stairs, if you will. Hit my head, the box opened up right there. Your boy had like a box hickey for like three days. I don't know what else you call it, a box burn, box hickey, I don't know. Either way. That has nothing to do with my message at all, but I just wanted to share my struggles with you because we are about transparency and vulnerability here, okay? So don't do that. We're having a good time. I love this verse. Can I tell you why? Somebody say why. I love this verse because it's the first time that we actually see, well, first time, the only time we see Jesus actually reference the phrase, new wine, new wine skin. I love this passage of scripture. I love what Jesus comes and says in this moment. Can I, can I hit you with a little bit of context about what's going on here? Because what Jesus is really highlighting is the question that we posed last week. Is the juice worth the squeeze? A.K.A. Is the new wine worth the shedding of her old wine skin? And so Jesus, here he is, he's with his boys, he's with John, he's with the disciples, all this stuff. And one of John's disciples, not even Jesus' disciples, speaks up and says, hey, here we are. We're, we're, we're fasting, we're doing all of these things, and why, 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 does, why do you guys not fast? If we fast, if the religious Pharisees fast, y'all know what religious rulers are? The Pharisees are, y'all know what those are? If you're new with us tonight, Pharisees, back in the day, are basically the keepers of, Jew, uh, of Jewish law. They are... Uh, con artists, they are uh, self-righteous, and they basically put down everybody uh, because we are incapable of holding up to the Torah. The Torah is basically the Old uh, Testament of the Bible, so they are the keepers of the Old Law. The Old Law was an attempt to make man right with God, right? So they are basically the keepers of this. If you disobey, if you go outside of it, if you break it, if you mess up, if any of these things, especially for a lot of people, they would come to your house, ransack you, and stone you to death. This is what uh, Pharisees often did. We talk about the Apostle Paul here all the time. Apostle Paul is a reformed Pharisee who was also commissioned to go out and kill and persecute Christians, people who went against Jewish law, even though we're living from something that's even greater called love. 
And so here we have these Pharisees and these gentlemen asking this question to John. Hey, we fast. We do this. Why, why do you guys not fast? Why don't you do these things? And I thought Jesus was absolutely incredible and very filled with grace in this moment because how many of you know I wouldn't have been as nice? There it is. So here we go. And he says this in verse 15. How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. That again is what we call the Christian clap back. We talked about that last week. The Christian clap back. When you hit somebody with some word. And I love it because, man, what is, if we got to look at this in context, I love having context to everything because it means what we're going to do is actually correct and purposeful. But man, in the context of the situation, he's talking about fasting. Well, why would you fast? If what you're fasting for, if the presence you're fasting for, if the voice you're looking to hear more clearly, the presence you're looking to feel more clearly, these things, if, you're, if this is what you're seeking, and he's right here, Jesus is proposing to you tonight, why would you fast if I'm already here? But when I go, then I'll go. We fast. Why? So we go out and we go out. We go without in the natural, so that we can gain in the supernatural. Amen. That might be news to some of you. That's the whole reason we fast. We're not just a bunch of weird Christians out here on a hunger strike. No, 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 no. It's not a hunger strike to get God to move. This is so that we can go without these things in the natural so that we can gain the supernatural, so that we can better learn the Holy Spirit's voice, better hear the voice of God, better hear what he has for us tonight. Somebody was praying for purpose. I would recommend to you, young person, if you can, take a day, take a two, take a week fast certain things. I'm not trying to go without food. I'm not saying that. I'm saying get with your God and decide the best course of action. Maybe ask your crew leader if you're in a crew, the best course of action. But maybe get with some accountability. Take some time and fast so you can better hear what God's purpose is for you. And so I love when Jesus says this because he's right here, right? He's with his boys. They have me in direct proximity. They can hear my voice more clear than anybody ever can right now. I am in their presence. I am the midst of them. Of course we don't fast. And I love what he goes on to say this. Because it's when Jesus would leave, when he goes on to ascend the Father, that is when the advocate, the Holy Spirit comes, and then we begin to fast. Then we begin to pray. Then we begin to be, take those times and get with God and get in his presence and seek so that we can hear his voice more clearly. And I love what Jesus says after that. He says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wine skins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins so that both are preserved. I love this tonight. Putting new wine into somebody. I'm debating how I want to say this. Don't judge me. I do think this is a subject at which people are up to different thoughts on. And we like to argue about these kind of things um, because there are people out there who believe in following Jesus is all a matter of works. Even though the Bible says faith without works is dead, it's, it's a mixture of both. Our faith would cause us to work. So I want to be trepidatious on how I talk about this new wine skin and this new wine because I definitely don't believe when the Bible says, when Jesus himself says, you do not pour new wine into old wine skins. No, no, no. It means he has to get new wine skins so that both are preserved. If, if the fruit, if 
the new wine, if what's going to spill and fill out and pour over in your life is to be preserved, then we have to be made new. Amen? We have to change. There has to be something that happens with Jesus where he begins to invade our lives. It doesn't mean that every single one of our morals change or we don't cuss or we have these things in our lives. No, no, no. These things will clear up and these things will come under the alignment of the Holy Spirit. There are things that will morally, quote unquote, change in our lives, but this is making us actually new, the Holy Spirit invading our body. And so what Jesus is trying to get across to these young men in this passage is actually this. You cannot put new ideas into old mindsets and you cannot get new results from old behaviors. There are things in our lives that actually, factually have to change when we come to follow Jesus. There are parts of our lives that have to now submit every single area. Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all of our lives. There are things now that everything in our life we now have to submit to the blood of Jesus. Once we are underneath the blood of Jesus, the cross, everything is up for debate. Everything is up for him to say, this needs to go, this can stay, this is me, this is not, this is the world, this is him, this is her. Everything underneath the blood has to change. I'm not preaching to anybody tonight. But I love this because in order to get that new wine, man, we first must be made new. This, this old wine skin, this thing that we are, our old ideas, our old thoughts, our old natures, they, 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 they will interfere and they will get in the way of this new wine that Jesus is trying to bring out. Because guess what? What is going in us and what is coming out of us isn't always just for us. It's for everybody else around us. Amen. And so he has a plan that goes beyond you. Young person who was praying for purpose earlier, your purpose extends beyond you. People will take over church tonight. Your purpose extends beyond you. It's not just so that you can get the glory. It's so that people can encounter your God. And so there are some things in our lives that have to change, that have to be refined by the flames of this life. How many of you guys know, how many of you have been there, how many of you have been alive and have experienced difficulty, pain, tragedy, suffering? Can I tell you tonight, we talked about it last week. If you weren't here last week, check out the podcast. God did not actually send these things to happen to you. But, somebody say, but, but God is able to take every single thing, every single thing that has happened to you, good, bad, tragic, horrible, or otherwise, and he is able to make it work together for the good of those who love the Lord. So how do we become new wine skin in order to hold and overflow this new wine, which is called the Christian life, the fruit of our lives? How do we get new wine skin? It's easy. It's this. It's easy to say. It's hard to do. Somebody's like, teach me. Tell me. It's this. That when we are going through the flames and we are going through the fire and we are feeling the heat, it's first recognizing that the flames and the fire and the heat aren't coming from God. But the flames and the fire and the heat, they still submit to God. Just because you're in contact with the fire doesn't mean the fire is now your Lord and no. That fire, that flame, that is an element, the heat that you are underneath, the pressure that you are feeling, the breaking that is coming in, your house coming in, you feel the walls are caving in around you. No, no, no. These situations and circumstance, they might be bigger than you, but they're still smaller than your God. Amen. And so when we are going through what I'm going to call the refining process, and the refining process, again, isn't this. God did not set the fire and start the flame. 
but he is able to when you are in the heat of it, when you submit your life and you submit your hands and you submit your mouth and you submit your speech and you submit your hope and you submit your faith to him in those moments, then we can begin to be, be made new, become refined, become new wine skin so that we can hold what he has for us. Amen. And so the reason I'm talking about this tonight, the reason I called this message the pain and the promise is because I make absolutely no mistake about it, friends. I understand that there are some very real people in here tonight who have gone through some very real things, who have experienced some very real hardships. Some of us tonight are still experiencing that pain. Some of us tonight are pains that we ourselves, doctors, things, medicine, cannot cure. Some of us are in here tonight going through very real ailments, very real afflictions, very real addictions, very real circumstances and situations in our lives that are above our heads and we feel like we're doing everything we can just to tread water. I understand that. But just because that's your situation doesn't mean that's your promise. Just because that's your pain doesn't mean that your promise is negated. Just because that is your current circumstance and situation, no matter how long it's been, because we've been there. I'm not saying this from a place of being completely unexperienced with pain, completely unexperienced of, of letdown, completely unexperienced of, of doctors not coming through. No, 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 no. If you've been here for any amount of time, you have probably heard most of the story of my life and Adrienne's life and the things that are going on with her sister currently and all these other things that are happening in our personal lives. You're in the flame, but the flame isn't fatal. The flame doesn't kill you. The flame in that moment, that, that heat that you're feeling, those walls that are caving in, in that moment, you can either allow your knees to buckle to pain or you can allow your praise to break your pain. My preaching to anybody tonight, I want to say it to you like this. We're going to talk about the pain and the promise. Why? Because there are a lot of people in here tonight, and I myself am guilty of this, if you can be guilty for being human. But it's better than that. There is something greater than this, okay? The pain in our lives, our knees, if you are a Jesus follower tonight, our knees kneel and bow for one name and one name alone, and it is Jesus Christ. It is not cancer. It is not hospice. It is not difficulties. It is not addiction. It is not a her. It is not a she. It is a God, and his name is Jesus. Every other name, if we are Christians in here tonight, we are called to bow to one name and one name alone, and that is Jesus Christ. There are some of us tonight, and I understand this, that have been dealing with pain for 22-some years, who have been going through addiction for 17 years, who have been in a marriage that's been falling apart slowly and crazily for 50 years. There are things in our lives, and I understand that tonight. But as a Christian... You do not have the right to buckle to these situations, these afflictions, and these circumstances because our God has gone before you. Jesus has overcome the world, and he says, take heart, because I have overcome the world. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? I want to take a look at one more piece of scripture tonight before we get going here and we don't have it on the Sky Bible up there because computers. Because programs. But I'm coming out of Mark 5, 24 through 34. So take notes and writing that down. Mark 5, 24 through 34 says this. Uh, before we get to that, Jesus says, 
He shows up on the scene, and there's this guy that runs to him, and he's like, hey, my daughter, my child, she is injured, she is hurt, she is dying. We need you. Come quickly. As Jesus rolls up, as you can imagine, a great crowd of masses, because wherever Jesus is, people are going to flock. Whether they understand him, whether they know him, whether they get him or grasp him at all, they have heard about Jesus, and so they flock around him, right? So right here, verse 5, uh, chapter 5, 24 through 34 says this. So Jesus went with him, a large crowd crowd followed and pressed around him. Verse 25, and a woman was there who had been subjected to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Verse 27, when she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt it in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that the power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd, turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Not who touched me, not who touched my hair, not who touched my face, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Jesus says, but Jesus, or verse 32, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Is anybody familiar with this passage of scripture tonight? If you're not familiar with this passage of scripture tonight, I think we probably preach a lot in churches, but I think we probably get it wrong a lot. Um, that's not the hero there. We're here tonight to break some chains off some people and give some people some hope and see new wine come about in your lives. So I'm not worried about taking on anybody else's theology tonight. I'm worried about the truth of the gospel going into your heart and letting you know there's more with God. Amen. And so in this in this passage, here is this woman who has got a female issue, if you will, happening in her body for a consistent, non-stops, no breaks, 12 years. There are some people in this room tonight who have been on their own battle and their own issues and have had their own afflictions and their own body breaking down. You have been in your own 12-year season. And here's this woman. She is 12 years of bleeding. She has exhausted every single option she has. I'm sure there's some people in here tonight that you've exhausted every single option you've ever had. You've tried to get free on your own. You've hit every single meeting. You've done all of this. You've been every single doctor. You've traveled to the Mayo Clinic. You've done what you've had to do. You've exhausted your options much like this lady. And it says, instead of getting better, she got worse. This lady was exhausted. She had gone as far as her money would take her. She had traveled as far as her body would physically allow her to go. This woman, many scholars would tell you this too when I was doing my research. Many scholars would tell you this, that this woman in the time and the place would have been treated like a leper. This woman who had this kind of physical ailment, who had this kind of, of thing going on, she would have been deemed unclean and unworthy and unfit to interact with everyday people within her city. She would have been cast out, thrown out, labeled unworthy and unfit and unclean. She was cast out and pushed aside and discarded by society. This woman suffered for 12 years. There's some of us tonight that 
we're still suffering. We've asked God late at night. We've cried. We've let our heart out. We have had our heart aching and breaking for years or months or days or seasons or maybe you just got bad news, whatever it is. We're in our own 12-year season right now. And much like this woman, you are confused. You are undoubtedly hurt and probably more than less struggling with doubt. There are people all across this room, and I don't know your stories, and I don't know your history, I don't know what you're going through, but man, we have doubt, we have hurt, we have shame, we have guilt, we have addiction, we have affliction, we have a physical ailment, whatever it is, it's pain. And we find ourselves doubting, is there any reason to continue on? Is there anything in this life that I continue to get out of it? Is there any hope in going forward? Is this doctor's appointment even worth it? Is going to church tonight even worth it? Is still being a Christian even worth it? Is still being in my crew even worth it? Is even living any longer even worth it? The pain. But now I want to talk about the promise. There are some of us tonight that have been living by this pain in our lives rather than the promise of God over our lives. Whatever rules over the kingdom is better than anything in the kingdom. We have been living by the pain in our lives as opposed to the promises over our lives. And this woman... She exhausted everything she had, everything she could. But then there was this word. Then there was this promise. Then there was something spoken, and she heard about a guy, and his name was Jesus. And the word going around, if you look at the rest of the Gospels, and when Jesus was going around in his ministry and healing, people would hear people going all the time, is he, is he actually the Son of God? Is he the Messiah? Is, he, is this real? Did he really come? Is the Messiah come? I heard he came in on a colt. I heard he came in on a donkey. He was born in a manger. What is going on? There are people going, yeah, but he's healing people. He's imparting gifts on people. He is delivering people from demon possession and from addiction and from afflictions. Well, I don't know, maybe he's, the, maybe he's Elijah. Maybe he's Elijah. Maybe he's one of the prophets of old. Maybe he's Jeremiah. Maybe he's Ezekiel. And the word about Jesus going around town is that he could heal people. That he could deliver people. That he was a God that did not bring suffering, but brought suffering to an end. And here's this woman. She heard a word about Jesus going around And she did everything she could to get in proximity with Jesus. If we were to believe that she was cast out, if she was outside the city walls, that means she would have had to get back in. And not only when she was back in, if she's in the same city that she was in, that means everybody there already knows her as the woman who has a bleeding issue. Or whatever label they put her on. They know her. Damn, that girl's unclean. That's, that's whomever. She's unclean. She's unfit. Why is she even here? And then we see this great crowd amassed around Jesus. And the same woman who has been cast outside the city walls for being unclean is now rubbing up and touching on every single person that has labeled her and pushed her out and discarded her in her life for 12 years straight. When I see this story, I don't just see pain. I see desperation. When I look at the story, I just don't see 12 years of defeat. I see a moment of desperation. If you see, friends, desperation isn't defeat. Desperation is an opportunity. Again, to either give in to anything else that we can exhaust and that we can do. We've already tried everything and we're desperate. 
where desperation for this young woman led her to hearing about Jesus and her desperation mixed with the name of Jesus turned into some faith and she fought through crowds of people who have discarded her and pushed her down and shoved her back and kept her out and labeled her unfit and unclean for society and everyday life unfit. Could you imagine 12 years of suffering and you were told that you were unfit to breathe the same air as me? That's this woman's plight. This was her lot in life. But when she heard the word about Jesus, that desperation in her life, there was something inside of her that, you know what, just maybe, just maybe I was sent home with hospice. Just maybe the marriage, uh, the, the divorce papers came in the mail. Just, 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 just maybe I, I can't put this bottle down. Just maybe Jesus can actually set me free, can actually heal me, can actually restore my marriage. Maybe Jesus is actually who the word around the town is. Maybe he really is the son of man. Heck, if he's a prophet, as long as he heals, that's enough for me. And she fought through crowds of people around Jesus. And she wasn't even selfish about it. She wasn't even like, I need the hand of God. To... You know how Christians are some days. Oh, I need a word from the pastor. No, no, no. You need a word from your neighbor. Because they know you and they do life with you. And they can speak into your life a lot more efficiently than I can. Because we don't hang out a lot. You know how Christians are. I need the touch of the hand of God. No, 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 no. It says the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. It says greater works will even you and I do. So we lay our hands, so we lift our faith, so we speak these things. So we see God come through and invade your body. She wasn't even selfish with it. She just said, there's something on the inside of me, and I really feel like this might be it. Who knows what level of desperation she was at. But she fought through that crowd, probably having a lot of naysayers around her, saying things about her because she's unfit and unclean to be around them. Probably some people pushing around if we know how volatile the people uh, were towards lepers and towards people of sicknesses. Man, they straight threw them out and took their things. They were volatile towards this woman in this crowd. And she fought through all of the naysayers and all of the haters and all of the words and all of the labels on her life to touch the garment of him, of his robe. She touched the outer layer of his robe. And it says in that moment, the healing went out of Jesus and into her. And she knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, she was completely convinced and completely persuaded tonight that her suffering had stopped, that her healing had come, and that she would have that peace And I love what Jesus says right there. What did he say in that scripture? He says, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Daughter, your faith has healed you. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know where you're at with, with your thoughts on God and his healing abilities. I don't know if you're one of those people that think that, that the, the um, fruit of the Spirit and, and the gifts of the Spirit died with the last apostles and all of these things. And all of these things that we come up with to talk about why we're not seeing things. No, no, no. I think we're going to see some miracles. I think the recipe for a miracle is this. I think it's your desperation lined up with Jesus becoming faith that turns into a miracle. It's that when you have chosen to either go through all of your options and then you're at the end of yourself, that you find what you need with Jesus. Or you decide to discard all that and you put your faith and your hope and your life on the line that your God is who he says he is and he's going to come through. Amen. 
Man, I want to encourage you tonight that our God is still the God over the flame, over the fire. He is over your 12 years of suffering. Whatever situation you can't possibly fathom a future on the other side of it, our God is still able. Our Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 1.20, that every promise of the Lord is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That means every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That's above the doctor's report. That's above what hospice says. That's above what your doctor has called you. That's above what your divorce attorney has told you. That's above anything in your life that you are going through, any chronic illness. The promise of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And we've got to believe that tonight. We've got to believe that tonight. Man, I love this piece of scripture because this woman, she didn't even know the Bible because at this point her story was still being written in it. But she knew one thing that was later appear in scripture. This is a word for somebody tonight. What's my, that's a word for somebody tonight. Worship team, you get me ready to make your way back up this way. A word for somebody tonight is this. What this lady knew that some of us need to have a fresh revelation of tonight is that we are still a people who are called to walk by faith and not by sight. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, no matter the plague, the affliction, the ailment in your body, no matter what it is, we are still called to be a people who walk by faith and not by sight. We're people who have decided to forgo our pain and believe God for his promise. That we might have pain in our lives, but there is a promise that is above our lives that can invade our lives when we submit our lives to Christ. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. We might have feelings, somebody, tonight. You might have feelings tonight, but your feelings don't have you. Can I tell you that tonight? You are human. You have feelings, but your feelings don't have you. You might have pain in your body, but your pain doesn't have you. We are called to be a people who still say and stand and plant our flag and die on the hill that is God is going to come through and he is able. I know it's popular. I know it's 2018. I know the internet. And I know that we have this in my feelings challenge thing happening in the world that's taking the globe by storm. I know. But I think a word for the church in 2018 and for you and me tonight is the in my faith challenge. Because on the contrary, when we say we have feelings, but our feelings don't have us, we do have a faith and our faith should have us. That was a better word than the reaction I got. We have faith, but our faith should have us. We might have pain, but we got a promise. We have a promise, but our promise should have us. So how I want to end this service is this. I don't know how long your journey's been. Maybe you're not even on one. Maybe this is just re-encouraging you with where you're already at in your life. I don't know. How I want to end service is this. How I want to see this happen is this. I want to see old mindsets die. 
so that new wine can come. I want to see new results in your life because we have put old behaviors aside and we have taken up the cross of Jesus and begun to follow him and pursue him and do this life the way he has called us to do it. Whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, whether it's comfortable or not, we submit everything in our lives, including our pain, under the blood of Jesus. So we're going to stand and we're going to worship and we're going to go back to this new song. We're doing a song that's a takeover original tonight. We call it worship because we believe that when we go to war or when we go to worship, we're actually going to war. And so we want to make this chorus, we want to make this our, our battle cry tonight. We want to make this what we go into war and into our pain chanting tonight. I want to ask, is there anybody in the house tonight? You can begin to stand because we're about to go into it right now. Is there anybody in this tonight that is willing to put our feelings and our situations and our pain aside and be completely engulfed and overtaken by the promises of God? Because again... What good is your faith if it doesn't have you, if you only have it? What good are the promises of God in the Bible if you're not actually experiencing them? If you have them laid out for you, and you know they're yes and amen in Christ Jesus, but you haven't taken advantage of it. So I want to encourage us tonight, we're going to go back into the song. And let's worship. That when we lift our hands, we open our hands, and we have nothing in it. We, got, we don't have pain in it. We don't have years of affliction in it. We don't have years and months of doubt in it. No, no, no. We have open hands ready to receive whatever God wants to do tonight. Our chains are lifted high because we expect them to be broken tonight. We serve a God who is still alive and active in this place, and he has more for you. And so as we worship, Adrienne and Casey, would you come down? To get ready to pray over people tonight. If you need prayer for anything in this moment, this is your woman pushing through the crowd moment. If you need prayer, if you struggle with doubt, if you have affliction, if you have insecurities, if you're dealing with fear, whatever your situation may be, when we go back into this next song of worship, come up here and get this. Lift your hands where you are. This is a moment where we keep our eyes closed. We sing these words the best that we know them. And we trust God to do something in our lives right now because he says that his promises are available to you. And they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Let's not leave this night without taking advantage of that worship team which you begin to sing as we go into this.